being 2022, every, every year that I, I preach right around this time, um, I always look and, and I always say, um, okay, I, I'm not going to preach on, on the turning over of the calendar. I, I'm not going to use that within my sermon. But, but every time I come back and, and I kind of kick myself because with something that is so built into our society, so ingrained into society, it's almost foolish not to use it. And not to use it because of the way that it impacts our lives. And so then I always ask a couple of questions about the turning over of the calendar with the new year. See, is, is the new year, is, is this just a continuation for you? Have you, have you liked the way that things have gone? Are, 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 you, are you just looking to continue what had gone on in 2021 and 2022? Is it a fresh start? Is this a, a point where you can look at and say, all right, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna reset. We're going to come back to some things. We're going we're gonna to start over. Is it a brand new beginning? Is there something that is beginning new for you? Is there something that you are creating in your life that you are, are bringing into your life that has not, has not been there before? Is it a return to form? Is, is, it, a, is it a way for you to look and, and evaluate and examine and say, there are some things that I need to return to that I'm now going to do? See, regardless of what it is, every new year is an, is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for us to look back and an opportunity for us to use that looking back to look forward in conjunction with it. That it's a, it's a chance that, that we have been ingrained with reset, to, to reset every single year, to look at and say, okay, where have I been and where am I going? Where do I want to go? Where, where would I like to be? How do I get there? But see, the interesting thing is that when we start asking those questions, we have to know, we have to know what is it that we are supposed to be basing on? Because there's a lot of things that I can look at and say, oh, I, I would love to be here, I'd love to be doing this, but yet if we aren't basing it on anything, then we can get real crazy. I, I've, I've done a bunch of reading on all kinds of wild uh, resolutions that people make based on nothing, just based on, on hopes and dreams. And, and, and when, I, when I was reading these and when I was looking at this and seeing all these outlandish things that are they're honestly never going to, to happen for someone, I started to realize that, that it was because they didn't have a basis in, in, in where it is that their starting point. Where is it that, that you need to be making sure that you are in line with what it is that, that is healthy, that is productive, whatever that may be. And, and as I'm reading, I started having something come back into my mind. Now, you guys know me. Um, I, I'm not the most handy of persons. Um, there's a lot of people in this church that can build some amazing things, that can do amazing things. Um, I, am, I am not one of those people. Um, my wife's new favorite story to tell is about the time that I got electrocuted by my uh, dishwasher as I was trying to replace it because um, I decided to grab wires that were hot. That was fun. Um, there are no, my, my dad says there are no amateur electricians, and there are not because they are all dead except for me. Thank goodness. Um, but I, I, in, in this, it's, that's the problem, is, is there's a lot of things that I don't, I don't necessarily know exactly how it's supposed to function. One of the things that I learned when I was in college, I actually was hired by um, a really nice local lady who clearly didn't know my background very well um, to help someone lay tile in her house. She'd bought a bunch of these um, foot by foot tiles and she was going to lay them in her house. Well, one of the, I show up not knowing anything and I did. I told her, I was like, I don't know anything about this. She goes, oh, no, 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 it's okay. The guy that you're working with, he's going to teach you everything you need to know and, and you're really just there to kind of help move stuff. That's great. That's what my spiritual gift is. It's lifting heavy things. So I can do that. And so, so I go and I show up and the first thing that we have to do is we have to know how are these tiles going to lay, be laid straight? Because if you take a tile and, 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 and with these types of tiles, they're not all cut 
perfectly. And so if you take a tile and you decide what I'm going to do is I'm going to lay them all out and then I'm going to put the grout down, um, that if you, if you compare one tile to the next, that it may start off on a good line, but what will happen is as these tiles get a little bit off and you start to, to make sure that each tile is aligned to the next, that by the time that you're at the end of the room, they'll have curved around and you'll have had no idea as you're laying these tiles. You're looking at them, and it looks straight as you're looking straight down on top of it, but it's just continuing to curve. And so I laugh. There's a couple people that are shaking their heads. It makes me wonder if your house has curved tiles. But so what you do, what you do to prevent that is you take a pop line. I was like, what is a pop line? Well, what it is, it's a line. It's a chalk. Like you think about a tape measure, how you pull it out. It's the same thing. But there's string and there's chalk all inside of this device. And you take it and you lay it out and, it, and you, you get it in the straight line. You get it where you want. And then you take this string and you pull it up and you, you let it go because there's tension. You let it go. It pops on the ground. And what it does is when you pull it up, it leaves a perfect chalk line that is absolutely straight. And that's where you lay your tile to. It was the coolest thing. It's a, it's a simple device, but it was the coolest thing in my mind because it never moves. That thing's not going to move. No matter how crooked your tile may be or wherever you lay it, you will always be able to look at that line and you'll be able to measure because it is always constant. And so then the question is, is when we are looking at our lives, when we are evaluating and moving forward into our lives, whether it's looking back to move forward or whether it's saying, I'm going to start fresh right here, we have to know exactly where is it that that pop line is. Where is it that we are measuring against so that way as I move into the future and into the future, that I always know that I'm, I'm on a straight line, that I'm not, uh, I'm not venturing to one side or to the other. And so we, we look in Philippians. We look in Philippians because here's one of the really interesting things about Philippians. The church in Philippi was planted in 49 A.D., 49 A.D. The book of Philippians is written about 62 A.D. So keep in mind, this is, this is 13 years 13 years after the church has been planted. This is a brand new church. And, and not only is it a brand new church, it's also a church that was comprised primarily of Gentiles. There were not a lot of Jews in this church. See, Philippi was an area that was populated about 80 years before, largely by, excuse me, about 100 years before, largely by uh, veterans of the Roman Civil War. See, the, the, the losing side, Brutus and Cassius' side, that when they lost, they were still... Roman citizens, and they were still Roman war veterans. And so what they did is instead of bringing them to Rome, that they, they, they had them uh, populate this area. And so it was, it, it, it was an area that was largely uh, Gentile. It was, uh, it was a, a, a booming area, a bustling area. That, and, but it was not a place that there was a large background in, in the uh, religious concepts of Judaism, which Christianity carried many of them forward. And so, so what you have is you have Paul, who is basically using the book of Philippians to set the pop line for the Philippians. These are people that they are learning what this genuinely looks like. And so as we begin to, to set this, and as we begin to move forward into looking at what is it that, that 2022 looks like for us, for many of us, maybe this is where we, we come to the book of Philippians and we find those pop lines that Paul sets down for the Philippians to use in our own lives. And so that's now where we come to our scripture. We're going to be in Philippians 4, verse 4 to 9. And so if you'll do me a favor as, as we get there, if you'll stand up as is our custom as we read God's word. Paul writes this, 
Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Father, once again, we come to you and we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to to be here. We thank you for this opportunity to praise you, to hear your word. Father, and just to dig deeper. We ask that you would use these scriptures, that you would use uh, um, your presence in our life to alter our minds and our hearts, Father, to bring them near to you, Father, to create a straight line within us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So in this, Paul gives five commands. He gives five commands, and and, and I love these commands as as we take these and we break them down. The first one's pretty obvious, pretty simple. Rejoice. I say again, rejoice. I love the double emphasis. I, I've told you guys that, that whenever the Bible repeats something, that it's important to pay attention. It's important. It's repeated for a reason. And Paul repeats this within the verse. Within the verse, he repeats this. See, uh, this, this double emphasis, I think, is an anticipation of the questions that are going to be asked. Because when we say rejoice, when we talk about rejoice, he's just coming out of talking about church unity. He's trying to encourage the church to unify because there are two people within the church that are pulling against each other. He comes out and immediately after pleading for unity and pleading for these people to, to, to get together and, and to seek to see eye to eye and to, to, to work together, he now comes and says, rejoice. I say again, rejoice. See, Rejoicing is, is an interesting concept and topic. And, and, and I don't want to spend too terribly much time on this because I think you've probably heard these concepts in terms of rejoicing before that rejoice is not just simply happiness, but rejoice goes even deeper than that. See, we look at it and, and, and we go into James, uh, James 1, 2. It says, consider it, uh, excuse me, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds because we know the testing of our faith leads to perseverance. Consider it pure joy. So same root word. One is the, the verb form of, of rejoice, and then the other is the noun form, and, and, and they use the same root. And so the deal is this, is this is the same concept in both. Then when we're talking about rejoicing, and we're talking about finding joy, see, we talk about find joy in, in the trials and the testing of our faith. See, when Paul says this twice, he's anticipating the question, which is, what about when things are terrible? What about when things are struggling? What about when everybody around me is fighting? What about when, when, when these two figures in our church are pulling against each other and the tension is just so thick? Like, how is it that we're supposed to rejoice? See, I think we've probably all been there before, right? Like, like, like rejoicing in the midst of tension is a very difficult thing. Because that tension, especially when it's between us and someone else or when we are around that, it, it, it's hard. I mean, we just came out of the holidays. And I know the jokes with family and holidays and all that. But, but, but have you ever been in a holiday when there was a lot of tension within the family, within the household that you are in at that moment? And, and it feels so difficult to just be excited and exuberant and just loving the holidays. Like you, you almost want to find a little corner just to back away from but yet Paul dives into this. He says, rejoice, rejoice in the midst of this because it goes simply, it goes far beyond what it is that, that we are just looking at in the temporal. 
See, because if we look at our hope being in, in something other than, than temporal, being other than human, being other than something that, we are, that, that is made, that is when we can rejoice. Imagine what happens if our hope is only in what it is that we can taste, touch, see, and feel. If our hope is only in those things, those are all the things that while they are awesome, they are also fading. When we put our hope in other people, when we put our hope in bank accounts, when we put our hope in, 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 in opinions and viewpoints, and those things are always going to at some point fade away, right? Always. Maybe it's a political party. I mean, let's face it. One, one comes up, the other goes down. Then it goes like this. Then it goes like this. Then it goes like this. If we constantly put our hope in that, then either every four, eight, or 12 years, your hope will depend on who it is that's in office. If we, if we put our hope in, in pastors, if we put our hope in pastors, then your hope will depend on whoever it is that brings you the message on Sunday morning. And yet, and yet, that is, that is such an improper way to look at that because then what happens is, is we never develop a genuine and true hope in the one who is giving the words, not the one who is just speaking them and shaping them for you. See, we can rejoice because our hope is not something that is simply of this world. It impacts us and it, it, it works on us and it moves us, but it is not of this world. It is not of something that can be tempted and can be tainted. Everything that we can taste, touch, see, and feel can be tempted and tainted. I, I, I was, I was uh, working the other day, and, and Tiffany brought me a banana. And I was so excited because I was so hungry to have this banana. And I opened this banana, and my hope at this moment was based in this banana because my stomach was growling. And I opened this banana, and the problem is at some point in this banana's past, it had been dropped. But it, and it had been dropped in such a manner that like the entire backside of the banana was not just bruised. I can deal with a bruised banana, but it was like mush bruised. You know, like one of those, like we open it and it, it, it's, it's like falling apart in your hands. My hope was crushed in that banana. No, it's a ridiculous example, but it's a perfect example at the same time. Is that if our hope goes only in the temporal, if our hope goes only in the material, if our hope goes only in the people that are around us, then what happens is we can easily lose that hope and lose the ability and the cause for rejoicing. Paul commands us to rejoice. He commands the Philippians to rejoice, even in the midst of difficulty, even in the midst of when they are trying to learn what it genuinely looks like because their hope is not in something that's of this world. Their hope is in Christ. Their hope... Is, is what has, has brought them to this point. What has pulled them from whatever religion they were in or, or, or whatever way of life they were in and now brought them into this church. He gives a second command. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. I, I, now you guys know me. I love, I love language studies. And, and I try not to nerd out on you too much when, we do, when, when, I, when I preach. But, but the word gentle... Epiakasi is a really cool word because it's one of those words that actually doesn't translate super well into English because it's more of a thought than it is a word. And so when we talk about gentle, the, 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 the longer definition that we can work in is, is, is gentle, mild, fair, equitable. Keeping the big picture in mind is where this really starts to, to mold into. We talk about keeping the big picture in mind. I want you to think about this. Um, so I, I, have, I have an eight-year-old who absolutely loves to draw, loves to draw, okay? 
Um, I, I know that, 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 that lots of kids like to draw. I know there's lots of teachers in here, lots of people that have taught before, taught young kids that have, have taught uh, in, in, in kindergarten, in first grade, preschools, those types of things. Now, I, 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 we're gonna, I, you know me, I love my audience participation, and Heather's in the audience. Hey, Heather, so let me ask you a question. If, uh, if, if, if a six-year-old draws a picture and brings it to you, and it is a picture of an elephant, problem is, though, is the elephant is colored, let's go orange. Are elephants orange? No. No elephant is orange, right? Okay. Heather, are you going to jump all over the six-year-old because they did not get it perfect the first time? No. Like, like when we do this, what, what do we do? What, what do you do when they bring that to you? It's beautiful. It's, absolutely. That's what we do. That's what we all do. That's what we all do. My daughter is getting way better at drawing and coloring. When she was three years old, there were scribbles all over the page. And you know what I did? I put it on the refrigerator. I was excited for that. I was excited because she would bring it to me. I was excited because she would show it to me. See, in this, I was gentle with her. I did not tell her, hey, this is terrible. You have to stay inside the lines. If you don't stay inside the lines, then you're never going to get into college. If you never get into college, you're going to live at home for the rest of your life, and you're going to be a bum, all right? <laughs> right? Like, like I, was, I was gentle with her because I was keeping the big picture in mind. What is the big picture with her? The big picture is the fact that, that when she brings me a picture, is that I love her, and I love that she brought this picture to me. See, when, when Paul is talking about being gentle, the Lord is near, Keep in mind what he's just come out of. He's just finished talking to a church that has major portions of it divided, arguing, not working together, not pulling in the same direction. Even if they have differing opinions, you can have different opinions, but they aren't pulling together. Maybe they've lost the bigger picture in this. See, when he talks about gentleness and when he talks about being fair and equitable and, 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 and having the big picture in mind, he talks about sharing your faith so that way you have the big picture in mind. Sharing in your faith, so that way you have the big picture in mind. See, keep in mind, keep in mind that, that Paul has dealt with Judaizers time and time and time again. We see it in Galatians, and we see it here in Philippians too. We actually see it in Philippians right before he starts his, his portion about church unity and about people pulling against each other. See, he, he talks in, in, in verse 3, 4, and 6. He says... He says, uh, um, excuse me, I apologize. Uh, For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have many reasons for such confidence. If anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcision on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, flawless. He knows himself what it means to not be gentle, to not have the picture in mind that God is trying to draw everyone in. And he sees these people at all of these places that he's at trying to tell you, you have to follow these rules to the letter or else you cannot have salvation. He sees what's going on and he sees that these people have it backwards that they have it backwards, that, they, that, that, that when, we, when we do this, we're saying you can't, you can't have Jesus, you can't have faith if you don't follow these rules. Now, here's the deal. It doesn't mean that rules are not a part of it. It does not mean that, 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 that following the standards set in Scripture is not a part of it. But if you follow the rules in an attempt to get to Jesus, you'll never get to Jesus. 
But obedience comes from the faith that we have. We want to do those things. We want to do those things. I want to follow that which God has set out for me to protect me and to guide me. And so when he talks about being gentle, when he talks about being gentle, he's trying to move this group, this church, away from a legalistic attitude that is continuing to push people away, continuing to kick people out, continuing to isolate people away from them. He's like, you are a shining light in the middle of a city that has no light. Love, be gentle, guide, respect those that are around you. Show them how amazing our faith is to, 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 to love and to cherish other people. How different of an idea and a concept is that from the rest of the world and the way in which that tends to play out. Be gentle like that of a kindergartner that brings you an orange elephant as opposed to berating them. Do not be anxious. This is, I, I, I like this verse. It, it, it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, here's the deal. I have absolutely no anxiety about preaching on this verse. I, I use that as kind of a, a, a play on words the same way that Paul tends to. Um, you guys know me. Very open about mental health. I consider myself a mental health advocate. If you've heard my story, you know my story. If you haven't heard my story, hopefully one day I can share with you my story. And so when I talk about this, keep in mind that, that uh, if you are someone who suffers from a clinical anxiety, a lot of times you'll hear some things that maybe are not as kind and as gentle as, as people may be trying to, to share them with you. And I would ask for grace in that. See, with this, when we talk about anxiety and we talk about worry, as, as many of your Bibles may say, they may say worry. What we talk about is we talk about expanding your field of influence to things which you cannot influence. Trying to control things that you cannot control. Worried about things that go beyond this moment and beyond your three feet of personal space. Now, don't take me too strict there. Obviously, if you have kids, it expands. But, but what I'm saying is worry tends to force us to expand so far that we are stretched so thin. You guys have heard this, that, that the word that is, is used for worry here, it, it actually can be used in terms of being pulled in different directions, being separated at the very core. That we get pulled in so many directions, we are so worried that, that, that we cannot focus on what it is that God is calling us to at, at this moment, at this time. See, and, and, and here's, here's where I come with that. We, we don't often, we don't often, we don't often look as much at, at the second part because we get so caught up in, in, in the worry and the anxiety. Say this, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here's the really awesome thing. As I was reading this and going over this and going over this, I started to come across a concept over and over again. The heart and the mind were essentially the same thing within, uh, uh, within ancient society. That, that, that both of them were things that, that controlled, they, they, it wasn't the seat of emotion. So we talk about the heart. For us, the heart is the seat of emotion. It wasn't necessarily a seat of emotion, but it was things like your will, your desire, your conscious thought, your personality. It was, it was what made you who you are, how you respond. And so when we talk about this, see, see here's one of the things about worry. Has anybody ever been intensely worried and at the same time been in a great mood? 
No. No, when, when that type of worry pulls on us, it affects us. It affects who we are. It affects the way that we respond to other people. It affects the way in, in, in which we, we think. It, it rewires our brain for some of the concepts of thought and some of the concepts of, of, of the direction of which we're going. See, what happens is that when we start talking about do not be anxious, by everything, by prayer and petition, give it to God. What, what's saying is when he says that the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds, it's going to guard the very core of who you are. It will guard the very core of who you are because who you are is what God is using to reach those around you. Who you are is what God uses to reach out to your neighbor, what God uses to reach out to your coworker, what God uses to reach out to your children, to your parents, etc., etc., etc. It will guard the very core of who you are. It does not mean that it will wipe away what's going on in your life, but it means it will bring your focus back to what God is doing at this moment. And for me, that's such an incredible thought. That's such an incredible moment where we look at this and we say that God will guard the very core of who we are. Because anybody, has anybody ever been worried about something and snapped at someone in a way that you never would have if you didn't have your mind so focused on something you couldn't control? Yeah, absolutely. We all have. And so we come back to the concept of being gentle. See, I love this because Paul, what happens is as we move further into these, you can take one and you can fold it back onto the other and back onto the other and back onto the other. I love this. Paul does this. Peter does this. Peter does this in, in his letters. I'm, I'm about to get into to, to a whole other sermon when I start talking about Peter's and, 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 uh, that, that we've done with the college students. But, but that we see this. Direct your thoughts. See, his fourth command is direct your thoughts. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Direct your thoughts. What is it that you are focusing on? What is it that you are focusing on? What, what is it that, that you constantly have on your mind? What is it that you are constantly talking about? See, that's, that's the test right there. That's the test, because what is constantly on your mind is what's constantly going to be on your lips. It's con what you're going to be sharing, what you're going to be talking about, what you're going to be putting on social media. You can go back and you can look at the conversations you've had, or if you're someone who does a lot of social media, you can go back and look at your social media for the last couple weeks, and you can tell what's on your mind. It's what we share. And Paul talks about this. He says, he says direct your thoughts. Whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, these are the things that you should be thinking on. Now, I have a question for you. I have a question for you. When we start talking about those things, I told you about this folding back over. If he's talking about directing your thoughts, all of these things, all of these things don't fall into the category of anxiety and worry. What is it that we should be focusing on? We should be focusing on whatever is noble. It doesn't fall into the category of worry. Because if I'm worried, I'm directing my thoughts at that thing. As opposed to whatever God has put in, in, in my life, whatever God has put on this earth. And so we take it and we continue to fold it back over and build on what it is that we have seen. See, when Paul says this, he's giving them the remedy, the remedy to changing their thought process, to changing their thought patterns, to moving beyond what it is that is continuing to grip them. I'm going to go all the way back to Euodia and Synecdoche, the, the, the two people that they were, they were bicker, that were bickering here in the church. Don't know why they were bickering. Have no idea. I have a question for you. Have you ever been, have you ever been in an argument with somebody? 
in an argument, a disagreement, whatever it is, and it's prolonged, right? It's prolonged. And, and the moment that you see that person or the moment that their name pops up on your caller ID or the moment that you think about going to the same place as them, you start to get a little bit of a knot in your stomach. Like, it, it happens. Because what happens is we begin to focus on that issue so much. We begin to focus on the problem that we have with that person so much. And now we begin to feel, feel the terror at, at, at what is going on in our lives. We begin to feel that separation from that person. We begin to be pulled apart from that person. And, and now, now what happens is the people that are around us begin to see that. And the people that are around us begin to feel that. Now remember what I talked to you about in, in, with, with, with Christmas and, 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 and people struggling to get along and you just want to get out of there? Imagine what that looks like. See, now you become a person. We become people that begin to push people away, not because, not because there's something, there's something that we don't want them around us, but simply because we are not people that attract people to God's goodness and to God's glory because we aren't showing that. What are we showing? We're showing, we're showing malice and we're showing anger and we're showing frustration. Doesn't mean that those things don't pop up in our lives, but think about that. Maybe, maybe I'm not going to give any examples. I'm about to get myself in trouble if I start giving examples. We ain't going to give examples. But we, we start, we, we lose we lose ourselves in our thoughts of negativity and our thoughts of problematic things. What are we sharing? What are we saying? That's how we test that. That's how we test that. And finally, finally, whatever you have learned or have received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Now, the, the British Journal of Healthcare Management says that most people will give up on their resolutions by January the 18th. January the 18th, 16 days from today, all of you will give up on your resolutions. Enjoy the next two weeks. But the reason is, is because while they do this and while they begin this, they do not continue to put it into practice. Maybe, maybe all of the things that, that people want to do as resolutions, that they're good. And, 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 and they're things that may improve their life, um, but they, they don't put it into practice. All of the things that are around them continue to pull at them and continue to pull. See, it's not that they don't want to do these things, but if you want to take up a new hobby, the problem with taking up a new hobby is that's time, right? If you want to start going to the gym more, that's time. And, and what happens is all of the things that are in our life already say, wait a minute, you still have this commitment. You've still got to do this, and you've still got to do this, and you've still got to do this. See, what happens here is when Paul wraps this up, he says, whatever you have learned from me, whatever you have seen me do, put it into practice. You have to actually do it. You can't just sit here and read this letter and be like, hey, awesome, Paul. Sounds wonderful. You may walk away with a great feeling, but if you don't put these things into practice, if you don't rejoice even in the difficulty, if, if, you, if you don't, or if you're not gentle with those that are around you, if, if you continue to focus on the stress and the worry and the concerns that you probably can't even control in the first place and, you, and you're not directing your thoughts, then all of these things that I'm telling you mean nothing because you won't do it. You'll sit here, you'll listen to this while you sit in the church, this, this house at Philippi and this person reads it. You'll say, good job. If you're Euodia and Synecdoche that's, that's having, you know, this this letter written to you, you're kind of like, eee. but if you, if you don't put it into practice, it means nothing. 
And so as we, as, we, as we go, as we look, it does no good to have this pop line drawn and yet to lay the tile the way that we want regardless. To not guide ourselves by the line, but rather to guide ourselves by what it is that I think is right. What it is that I think I should be doing right here. See, Paul has laid down the line for the Philippians. He's laid down the line for us. Now, there are things that transcend, that, 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 that you may not see in your life that fits into just this specific thing right here. But if you continue to put everything in your life into this list, this is not an exhaustive list. This list is not going to tell you what to do on a daily basis. It's, it's not, it's not uh, um, uh, something that, that, that you, you spin the wheel and it says, oh, do this in this situation. But it guides you and it directs you And if we'll do these things, if we will continue to put this into practice, it gives us the line, it gives us the direction for whichever way we're going. And not just for 2022, but for 23, 24, 25, all of eternity that moves us to that direction. And so whatever it is that you look at for 2022, whatever it is that you look at and and you're trying to make sure that, that you are doing, lay it next to this line. Lay it next to this line. If it doesn't measure up with this line, it is not the direction that you should be moving. It is not the direction in any way, shape, or form that we need to be working. Father, once again, we come to you. We thank you for this day. Father, we thank you so much for the ways that you work, the, the, the things that you are doing. Father, I ask that you would, you, Father, you would shape us, you would work in us, that you would mold us in this time. Father, I know that... that, that in, in, this, in this room, there's a lot of different emotions, a lot of different thoughts. Uh, I, can, I can see it on, their, on, on everyone's faces as, as I'm preaching. Lord, I just ask that you would, you would work and you would guide and that you would mold, Father. That, 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 that words that, that came out the way that you had, had crafted in me, Father, that, that, that they, would, they would work and they would work deeply. Father, words that I stuttered and stumbled over, Father, that you would use those and you would smooth those out. Father, we thank you so much for your heart. We thank you for your guidance. Lord, I ask that in, in this time that, Father, uh, in this time of response, that, that we would respond however it is you're calling us to. Lord, whether it is to come to the front and pray, Father, whether it is to uh, kneel right where we are, if it's to sing our hearts out, if it's to um, uh, hug the person next to us, Lord, I, I just ask that you would move and that you would guide. Lord, help us to rejoice in you to find joy in everything that we do simply because you have crafted it, you have crafted me, and you've crafted your church. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I'll be at the front uh, for anyone who who needs to come for prayer, uh, for anyone who who maybe maybe you don't know Christ. Maybe we talk about this rejoicing and, and it feels foreign. Um, and, and, and you say, wait a minute, I, I don't have that in my life. I, I'll be here to accept you, to talk to you, to uh, pray with you. As